0: Welcome to the Do Something Beautiful podcast. I am your host, Leah Darrow, and I share with you inspirational people who are truly doing something beautiful to make our world better. We are inspired by the words of St. Mother Teresa of Calcutta who said, Do something beautiful for God. Do it with your life. Do it every day. Do it in your own way, but do it. This podcast is brought to you by Audible. Audible. For you, the listeners of the Do Something Beautiful podcast, with a free 30-day trial of Audible, you can get my new book, The Other Side of Beauty, read to you by yours truly for free. All you got to do is go to audibletrial.com slash Audible is Amazon's audio bookstore, and it has over 180,000 audiobooks to choose from. And so if you're like me and you like to listen to books while you travel, exercise, or cook, this is perfect for you. To get my audiobook for free, all you got to do is go to audibletrial.com slash That's audibletrial.com slash and you're in. The Do Something Beautiful podcast is also brought to you by Haiti 180. If you want to do something beautiful in the world, but find yourself busy, possibly overwhelmed with life, family or work, but you still want to donate money for a good cause, you can still do something beautiful by becoming a Team 180 member. Haiti 180 provides an orphanage for 40 children, two elderly homes, a school for over 200 students, and a medical clinic in a small village in the hills of Haiti. Now, many of the listeners of this podcast have generously donated over $26,000 to build the maternity wing of the new hospital. And for as little as $15 a month, you can sponsor an orphan. That's 50 cents a day, people, 50 cents a day to help a little boy or a little girl have a good and just life. I've been there. I have seen their good works and I continue to give them my time, talent, and treasure. And I'm asking you to do the same. Go to Haiti180.com and do something beautiful with me. That's Haiti180.com. Hey friends, today we are talking with Trent Horn. Trent Horn. Trent is a staff apologist for Catholic Answers. He specializes in teaching Catholics to graciously and persuasively engage those who disagree with them. So, he's got his work cut out for him, right? <laughs> right? But Trenton is great we get to talk to him today about his newest book. He's the author of seven books. The one we're going to talk to uh, talk about today is his most recent one and it's called What the Saints Never Said. What the Saints Never Said. So, we're going to go over some of that. We're going to pull out some quotes that I bet, I bet you absolutely love, and you tell them to all the people you know, they inspire you, and you're going to find out they never said that. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. Trent is great. He's fantastic. We we get a little bit into the podcast about some of, some other things not related to apologetics and the Catholic faith, and of course, they have to do with su- superheroes, Batman and The Flash, so you'll be interested to hear about that. Trent also has his own podcast. Just so you know, it's called The Council of Trent. If you're a Catholic, you definitely get that joke. The Council of Trent is Trent's weekly podcast where he helps Catholics answer the toughest objections against the faith. So make sure you find that one and subscribe. All right. Without further ado, here is Mr. Trent Horn. All right, friends. Welcome back to the podcast and welcome, Trent Horn. How are you doing, Trent?
1: I'm doing well. Thank you for having me.
0: Good, good. Okay, so today we are talking about a pretty fun book that you have out now. It's called What the Saints Never Said, Pious Misquotes and the Subtle Heresies They Teach You. What gave you the idea to write this book?
1: Well, I had been thinking about, uh, you know, about a year ago, I wanted to write a magazine article for our Catholic Answers magazine. And Some of these quotes came across my desk and I thought, oh, I I bet I'd love to research to see where these fake quotes actually come from. So I originally thought this would just be a short magazine article. But then I just found just so many of them that are misquoted or misattributed or fabricated that I decided, wow, I could actually do a whole book on this. And so that's really where where the book kind of came from.
0: Yeah, I'm, I think that probably just social media in general probably gave you a lot of um, ammunition to kind of look through all the things that are posted constantly that people use, and then we find out that it's really not what some saints said. Now, some people have been, I say some people, there have been some groups or people who have been trying to kind of just put some truth onto some of these quotes, like some of the famous ones from, let's see, St. Francis of... Preach the gospel at all times, and if necessary, use words. That's often said, and it's, it's incorrect, correct?
1: That's right. He never said that. The earliest source I could find for that is from a book written in 1990. So it's really more of a modern sentiment. And it contradicts who St. Francis was because he was an excellent preacher. He preached with words on repentance, on hell. He moved people to tears with his vivid rhetorical expressions in his preaching. So he was well fond of using words, and he would have considered them quite necessary for sharing the gospel.
0: (laughs) I just find that, I don't know why I'm laughing, but I find that very interesting that we have these things that so often we use. But why do we misquote them, especially with that one St. Francis one? It's it's been misquoted all the time. I mean, do you think we're just misusing it because it just makes it easier for us to maybe not speak up and not say what we believe? Yeah,
1: I think a lot of people do it with a good heart. That particular quote, preach the gospel, use words if necessary. The best, the most charitable interpretation is simply make sure that through your deeds, the gospel is preached as well, or make sure your actions correspond to the words you preach. And that is a good lesson, and we we should do that. But there's other quotes that better encapsulate that. St. Teresa of Avila said, we must always be preachers by our deeds. That's great. It's the clause, if necessary, preach the gospel, use words, if necessary, that makes words out to be a bad thing. And yeah, some people use it, use it as an excuse to just be a nice person and not verbally share our faith. But the problem is there's, there's lots of nice people who are not Catholic or not Christian. So you have to have that verbal declaration to differentiate your good actions from other people's good actions.
0: I see. Now, this podcast is It's dedicated to Mother Teresa. She's kind of our podcast sponsor here, saintly sponsor Mm -hmm. in a way. And in the book, you have quite a few of quotes that we misattribute to Mother Teresa that were not hers at all, or just either misquoted or just completely fake. Were there Mm -hmm. any in that section that surprised you?
1: No, it doesn't surprise me because I've been familiar with how many fake ones circle around from Mother Teresa. Well, there was there was one that, that I, I was worried that it, it was probably the case. It was, uh, not all of us can do great things, but we can all do... Not all of us can do great things, uh, but we can do great things with great love. Uh, we can all do small things with great love. So uh, that one, I had actually used it in my high school graduation speech. So I was like, oh, dang it. So I mean... <laughs> Yeah. Oh, the quote was not all of us can do great things, but we can all do small things with great love. I had used that in a speech a long time ago. I was suspicious later. I'm like, oh, no. So, yeah. But even the Mother Teresa website, Mother Teresa Center of Calcutta has a whole list of things she didn't say. And I've highlighted a lot of them in that chapter in the book.
0: Right. And some some of them for me, I I grew up hearing about the I guess it's actually like a poem or something, but it, it basically oh, yes. goes that people are illogical and reasonable and self-centered, love them anyway. It's a wonderful poem. I mean, it's great. It seems like great words, but are there any heretical things in that poem, even though it's not, it's really not Mother Teresa who said that, but can you explain that one a bit?
1: Yeah. So if you just search Mother Teresa poem on the internet, you'll come across this, the Love Them Anyway poem. And it was, it's though the poem is a series of commandments the called the paradoxical commandments written by a college student named Kent Keith. The commandments wound up being hung up in the wall of one of Mother Teresa's children's homes. And her book, A Simple Path in 1995, includes them at the end of the book in an appendix. That's where people then misunderstood and thought that she came up with them. And they are good, you know, to, to love others, even if they're uncharitable towards you. The problem is that the poem has been further altered, even beyond what Keith wrote so that it, it has a line that says in the final analysis, love them anyway, because in the final analysis, it wasn't between you and them. It was between you and God, which makes it seem like you should just love people because God is watching instead of because of the genuine affection you have to serve other people made in the image of God. And so that is where where things can become problematic.
0: Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot there. This has been a really fun book to go by. And I've been. I mean, every page that I kind of pull over, I'm like, I'm just scared to see what I'm going to read, because I, because I can only imagine some of the things that we have been reading and quoting throughout our own life, and then they they don't have actually full truth behind them. One of them that came up to me that I I was really surprised by was the you, you say it's close but not quite a quote from Saint Catherine of Siena. And the quote goes, if you are what you should be, you will set the whole world ablaze. I was shocked. I was shocked to see that that really wasn't quite it. Could you maybe explain that for our listeners?
1: Yeah, a lot of people are shocked by this one. Pope St. John Paul II misquoted this uh, when he talked about it at the closing mass at the 2000 World Youth Day. And so I think that's where it really started to pick up a lot for people. And of course, the Pope is infallible. It doesn't mean he won't make, you know, simple errors in citing people. This what St. What Catherine of Siena actually said, she was writing a letter to a friend, Father Dom Stefano Marconi, and he was one of her scribes. And she said in that letter to him, if you are what you ought to be, you will set fire to all Italy and not only yonder. So actually, so I mean, the sentiment is still there. But she didn't write this as if she wrote something, a general piece of advice for all people, talking about the whole world. She was encouraging this one person, but it's still true for for all of us. It's it's just people have changed it a bit,
0: right? And at least there's no heresy necessarily. No heresy
1: in that one. That's <laughs> no. just one I, I felt like we had to correct.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'm glad you did. It's it's going to be so hard not to say it <laughs> because because uh, I mean, I guess like you said, this. Well, I guess is you could there. you
1: could put it this way. You could say to to paraphrase, or in the spirit of Saint Catherine of Siena, if you are what you should be, you will set the whole world ablaze. So we just have to—you <laughs> have to give that that modifier.
0: Maybe I will for my upcoming talks to young women. It's just too darn good. But yeah, I think you're right. We have to kind of keep it there. Now, what are some of the what what are some of the the misquotes to saints that have heresies tied up in them? Let's—I would love to get from you. Like, what are some some of those that could actually maybe alter our our theology, our thinking, that we definitely need to correct?
1: Sure, absolutely. Well, I think the preach the gospel, always, if necessary, use words. I mean, that it's not necessarily a heresy, but it's a bad attitude towards evangelism. Another one that's common, it's attributed to St. Ignatius of Loyola, is pray as though everything depended on God, act as if everything depended on you. And the problem with that one, of course, he, he didn't say that. He talked about trusting all things to divine providence, both prayer and work is that that can separate and make it feel like, okay, I will pray, and that's just involving God, and then I'm going to work, though, and God's not really involved in that. That's where I go and get things done. And so we're, we're compartmentalizing our life and letting God into some parts but not others if we take it in that way. So I think that's a, a bad attitude that we can find in there. It's similar to another uh, misquote. It's not a saintly misquote but one from the Bible, which is God helps those who help themselves. Right. Uh, it's not in the Bible. And God helps those who can't help themselves, like widows, orphans, the afflicted, and sinners like us. Like, we can't help ourselves. We can't get ourselves out of sin. Only God can do that. And so these kind of me-centered spirituality, me-centered theologies, that's what I see a lot in these misquotes, because a lot of the misquotes have a self-help mentality to them. So when it becomes very me-centered, that takes us away from really the true light of our faith.
0: Well, if you like fashion, gourmet food, and your faith, you need to know that I am leading a Theology of Beauty pilgrimage to Italy this July 2018 with Father Leo Paddlinghug, the famous cooking priest. We'll be heading out there July 7th through the 16th. And there are are still a few seats available, but I can't guarantee how long they're going to last. So you want to book it now. We will be heading up some amazing cities such as Milan, Turin, Venice, and of course, Roma. A pilgrimage is so much more than a vacation. It's really a time to unplug and reconnect to your faith and the people around you. It's a wonderful experience. You can find out every detail and the itinerary at my website, leadarocom slash pilgrimage. Grab your spot now before it sells out and I'll see you in Italy. And then one of the ones that I found very interesting, especially in what you wrote and were explaining afterward, is the quote attributed to St. Augustine, which says, the truth is like a lion. You don't have to defend it. Let it loose. It will defend itself.
1: (laughs) Yes, he certainly did not say that. And I know a researcher who searched his entire works in Latin through a Latin keyword search and couldn't find this in there. And it contradicts the Saint Augustine himself, who frequently defended the faith. And in his book City of God, Saint Augustine talks about how the questions of heretics give us an opportunity to more clearly share the faith and to better understand it. So he said, No, you definitely have to defend it. There's a long history of of doing that, that the truth does need to be defended because it can be warped, it can be distorted. We have to speak up for it. And to say, oh, I don't have to. I can just let it loose. That's just kind of a, a lazy way of, of sharing the faith.
0: Right. That definitely does not seem like Augustine. Uh, no. I mean, so, some of them, I think probably if it, <laughs> if it makes us curious about like the type of personality and uh, of the saint itself, but maybe we should start looking more into, did they really say this? How, I mean, but it's so hard. There's just so much information out there. It's kind of hard to be able to find it out. So we're very thankful that you spent the time to do this. So uh, let me ask you a question, a little off topic. You are one of the great apologists there at Catholic Answers. I love Catholic Answers. They gave me my initial start. I got to work with them and got to be mentored by Tim and some great people there. What is something that you're finding within your work at Catholic Answers? What would, within your work as an apologist? That is has been shifting and different today in terms of culture of where people are going for answers or how they're able to receive the truth?
1: Sure. I think a lot of people now are really going to social media, especially things like YouTube. I, I remember a few years ago, even, I went and gave a talk on atheism at a university campus, and I spoke with a group of atheists afterwards, and you know college students. And I said, okay, well, You know, they we were it was a mildly antagonistic, not nothing too over the top, but we were sparring back and forth. And you know, I asked them, "Well, where? What are the best books on atheism you've read?" I mean, they accused me of not being versed in the topic, and I said, "Look at my book in the bibliography. I've read all kinds of books on atheism. What would you say are the best ones?" And they said, "Well, I, I don't. I haven't read a book on atheism. I watched this YouTube video and that YouTube video." Because I'd encourage them to read a book defending the existence of God. You know, hey, read a book. Take a look. It's in a book. <laughs> people of our, our generation will remember that. Um, <laughs>
0: yes, I do remember that.
1: <laughs> right, but they don't. Not, not today. Not nope. today. They won't know that. And they will know. So we, in order to reach people, there's always a challenge of taking the truth, and even truths that have to be nuanced on important, tough issues, and simplifying it and breaking it down so it's easily digestible from books to articles to blogs, and now not even blogs. It's got to be like an infographic or a video or people just won't receive it. So that's kind of the challenge of of the world we we live in today.
0: And it's very difficult when you have all of this church history, early church fathers, you have all of these beautiful answers and information there. And unless we put it into a YouTube video, it will probably never see the light of day.
1: Right. Yeah. No. uh, So we, we have to be able to engage people. In that way and understand it, but I think there is hope. Like for example, my book "Why We're Catholic" has uh, done tremendously well. I think we've, in the course of a little less than a year, we've sold like 125,000 copies. And one reason for that is I took that book "Why We're Catholic." It's hard to get anybody to read a book, but tried really, really hard to write it in an easy to understand way. For anyone reading it, will feel like it's easy to go through the words and that they 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 move you along. And we live in a, in a unique time where many of your listeners and others reach people through the written word still. You can do a Facebook status, Twitter, or many people even listening might have their own blog, might have their own personal blog. It may be smaller, but they have one. So people have, can experiment with putting out short writing on the internet. But I would encourage them just uh, you know, to, and anyone really who wants to write and still reach because the written word is still extremely important to spend time just to not lazily throw it out there in one draft and publish, but to take time to craft words to really draw people into the mysteries of our faith and to sp- use your words, the written word, to speak to someone on kind of a one-on-one level.
0: Yeah. Amen. And you do have some some other really great books out there. One of my favorite of your books is actually Persuasive Pro-Life.
1: Oh, yes. Yeah. That was a it's a one. great
0: one. And if uh, talking about books and books that people should read, what the Saints Never Said, great one right there. If you're also, just a random other thing, if, you, if you're interested in the in anything regarding the pro-life movement and you're wanting to get well-versed there, I highly recommend Trent's book, Persuasive Pro-Life. I'll make sure I link all of that into the show notes that we have that. Trent, where can people find you? Where can people connect with you to just maybe bring you out to speak or uh, to look at some of the articles that you've written on a variety of different topics within Catholic sure. apologetics?
1: Well, I'd recommend especially to learn more about what I do. uh, You can go to my personal website, trenthorn.com. So uh, Trent Horn, just my name, trenthorn.com is a great website as well as just going to Catholic Answers, which is catholic.com and searching my name, Trent Horn. You can see my articles, videos, uh, radio shows, all kinds of stuff there.
0: Perfect. Perfect. And we'll have all of that in the show notes. There are, there's sadly... Quite a few more things that we could probably talk about in terms of the things the saints never said in this new book that you have out here. This was one, like I mentioned before, it is, it's really fun. It's easy to read. You can pick it up and put it down in a variety of different areas. And, but you can really get some good information of, of why we should be correcting some of these things that maybe the saints have said or did not say in terms of how they may affect our thinking or our theology so that we're very clear about about what we believe and how we convey that to the world so make sure you grab your copy of the book what the saints never said if you were like me you maybe probably trembled as you turned a few pages thinking oh no i'm so scared that something's going to be there that i've been saying forever but at least we can be corrected and and then move on from there trent thank you so much for just being with us for a few short minutes here with us with my listeners it's been so so great to have you I will say, I want to bring up one quick thing because I find this very interesting about you. When I last saw you, I believe we both were giving a talk in California, I think in Los Angeles, maybe?
1: Yeah. Uh, yes, it was at U- UCLA, I believe.
0: Yeah, UCLA. And yeah. you came walking in wearing a fantastic shirt. Do you remember what shirt you were wearing?
1: It was the Flash. It was my Flash emblem.
0: It was the Flash. It was the Flash. So I, I, I remember talking to you about this, and I, I found out that you are a fellow lover of all things superhero ish. Is that correct?
1: Mm-hmm. I do enjoy uh, the superhero genre. Yes, absolutely.
0: <laughs> what, who is your favorite superhero?
1: That is very hard, actually. I, I have probably two top ones Batman, because uh, the rule with Batman is uh, if he can prepare, uh, he can defeat anyone. Doesn't matter if it's a Celestial deity in the DC comic universe because he's just prepared. He can handle anything. I also have an affinity for the Flash. I like, uh, you know, just quick witted, fun, ready to tackle anything. Uh, I think the TV show online right now is pretty good. So those are those are kind of the. That's probably more like. I wish I could be Batman, but I think I'm more of like a young hyper quick, you know, quick drive flash type guy. be more myself.
0: (laughs) I could definitely see that. Now, did you see the movie The Justice League with with the character The Flash brought brought into that one?
1: Yes, unfortunately. I I decided to watch it on a transatlantic flight to pass the time. And um, (laughs) it's unfortunate for comic book fans, people who enjoy the comics, that these huge $100 million movies are given to writers who don't really know what they're doing. So it's it was unfortunate, but there were still some fun moments here and there.
0: Sounds like it's coming from a true fan. I agree, but for all of my friends who've never really read any of the comic books and didn't do that, I myself did. I was one of those girls who read comic books growing up, <laughs> uh, and so I, my husband and I, were like looking at like all the inaccuracies. We're like, oh, but, but, but no, but he wouldn't have done that, and all of these other things. But all my friends who had not had that upbringing or decided to read something else, I guess. They loved it. So I guess it all depends on your background out of it. Well, anyways, I just find that very fun, very interesting from all of my favorite Catholic apologists to find out a little something different about you. So I just really enjoyed the fact that you came to that talk wearing a shirt with the flash symbol on it. So very, very good. All right, Trent. Absolutely. Thank you so much for being with us. Before we leave, before we wrap up, could you give our listeners a challenge for today?
1: Sure. We were talking about saintly wisdom. And so I think a challenge is... One day a week, if you can, read the Office of Readings. This is part of the Liturgy of the Hours, the Prayer of the Church. Actually, you don't even have to read the entire Office of Readings, but if you want a great place to get saintly wisdom, the Office of Readings, uh, as part of the Liturgy of the Hours, usually has an excerpt from a saint or a doctor of the church. So that's a great place to get saintly wisdom. So you can just search Office of Readings. The Universalis website has it. If you download the iBrievery app, uh, you can also get the Office of Readings there. And just, you know, one day a week, you know, Saint Saturday or something, uh, just breeze through that and, you know, just read a good excerpt of saintly wisdom from the Office of Readings, I think would be a good challenge.
0: And of course, the Office of Readings will have all of the correctly attributed quotes of the saints in there.
1: Yeah, yeah, they're usually pretty good about, about getting that,
0: yeah. Awesome, wonderful. Thank you so much, Trent, for being with us. And thank you, my fantastic listeners. You guys are wonderful, and I'm praying for you. And I just am so thankful for you that you would spend a few minutes with us here at the Do Something Beautiful podcast. And remember, whatever you do today, make sure you do something beautiful for God. God love you. God bless. We'll talk to you later.